Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to take them. Turn with me to the book of Romans. No surprise there. Chapter 6, as we continue on in our series throughout the book of Romans, the time for truth is now. Welcome, welcome every single one of you. Kind of a cold, wet, some black ice out there, and you made it safely. I'm proud of you. Uh, Those of you as well that are joining us online, a special welcome to you. We miss you and look forward to your return. Happy Valentine's Day. No one really mentioned much of it. I know our focus is on the Lord first and foremost, but there's some flashes of red out there, I see. Yeah, I was thinking about it. It goes, wow, Valentine's is just one of those weird, like, whoa. And I was thinking, I went all the way back. One of my first Valentine with my wife ever. This is long before we were married, long before we were engaged. We were kids in high school. And I remember that first Valentine. Well, I, I was driving my parents' Aries K car to go pick her up. Just Google cool, okay? And you'll see that. And, and I arrived, we were going to the Chow family restaurant, Chinese. There was only really one restaurant that we could eat at in our town, so we were going there. And I had, I remember this, when you, I had my, I had my red sweater vest on. Okay, you're talking mid-80s. Little hair gel, it looked a little different, little hair, I was slick back. It worked. It worked. She's still here all these years later. So I, I don't know why. It has nothing to do with the Book of Romans. I was just, I was just seeing this really ugly red sweater vest in my mind today and thought I would just be open and honest. Daniel's honest about what he used to look like years ago in high school. So anyway, that aside, I was thinking about it and we directed our attention where it ought to be this morning on the Lord. Regardless if you received or if you did not receive a card today, I want you to know this, that you are loved unconditionally. Your heavenly Father sees you, He knows you, He, he created you as unique and special. There's only one. And He loved you so much that he longs for you to be with him for eternity, and he's offered away his own son to suffer and die on your behalf. That, that is a love that cannot be measured, and that is what is offered to every one of us today. It is upon that good news that we approach the throne this morning in prayer, asking for help in this text, and that you would hear... A word, not from a man, not from me this morning, but we together would all hear a word from the Lord. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we go to the throne of grace and ask for help? Father, we love you and we're just thrilled and amazed that in your grace you've given to us one more day. Just, Just one more day. You've woken us up. We do not know what this week holds. But we thank you, Lord, for this moment that we've been able to gather to listen to your word being read. And I just pray, Lord, that all of the noise, the 
the motion, the commotion, the movement would, would all be set aside and that we would hear from you in a most, most important time and on a most important subject. We confess that we, we, cannot, we cannot continue without you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would guide us today. I pray specifically for those we think of young ones that are struggling with some of the uncertainties. We just pray, Lord, for parents and grandparents to direct kids to you. A firm foundation. Pray, for, Lord, pray, Lord, for those that are struggling with sickness or discouragement. I pray, Lord, for uh, Jay and Linnell, especially at this moment, just be especially close to them in this hour of need. May they know that they're being loved and prayed for. Pray for those that have lost loved ones recently. But Lord, most of all, we just pray that you would remind us of, of where we are at this, this hour in history and that you're here with us and you've called us to mission, to love you first and to love others. We pray, Lord, that you'd give us the help to do that. Please, Lord, help me guide my words. May they be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> there have been what extensive discussions Paul has been making. He's been building a case, presenting arguments all the way from Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 5 regarding, and we've heard this phrase, the righteousness of God and the sinful, painful plight of mankind apart from God. So there's our review for the first five chapters. Today we look at transition. Think of a page that is being turned, a, a new chapter before us, an entirely new development in his teaching about salvation. And, it, and it's directed towards those who are saved. The subject of salvation, now it's to you who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul moves on to this subject. It is for us this morning and for the next couple chapters, it is on the subject of holiness. Specifically, how is it that you and I can live? Holy, set apart, righteous, right. How can we live obedient lives? Not, not only will we see that God instructs us, but thankfully, he has given to us everything that we need. Everything that we need to accomplish this. The word of God, the spirit of God, and look to your left and right, the people of God. Today, this morning, cold, wet day and the darkness of February, a perfect opportunity for you to assess and examine in your own life, where are those three things? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. What place of prominence or neglect do they hold? Number one of two points today. We're going to learn, we'll read the first four verses of Romans chapter 6. How to walk, how do we do this? How to walk the new life. How to walk 
the new, not, new life. Listen to the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What, what shall we say then? Are we, continu- are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. These verses sound a little familiar to you. If if they sound just a little familiar, that's good. They should sound familiar to you. Why? Because whether or not you're standing on the bank of the west branch of the Susquehanna River, or what? Or, Or sitting in church watching someone get baptized... Almost every single time I read these verses from Romans chapter 6. Why? Because it describes what the life of a believer looks like. What do we do? We identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Going under the water, and I always what? Same joke every time. Not going to leave you under there. That <laughs> gets old. But it's true. Jesus rose back to life again. Dead to sin, alive to God. And I remind people what? When people get baptized, they get what? They get all wet. They don't get a little wet. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. Not just tradition. That's biblical instruction by way of immersion. All wet, which means they're all Christian. They're all in. Totally committed. Totally dedicated. You're loyal. Likewise, what? Going down into the water symbolizes our going down into the grave. You've been buried to your old self, which means your old life is now dead. And as Christians, God in his grace has blessed us when you come out of the water what, with a brand new perspective, brand new life. Jesus, talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, refers to this, what, as as a unique phrase, as being born again. Let's talk about this whole born again thing, like, quite a lot. Yep, we do. Why? Because it's a new start. It's a new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become now new. Now, to explain this, chapter 6 what the author does here, the Apostle Paul, is he begins with a rhetorical question, actually questions. There's more than one. There's actually two. What shall we say then, question mark, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? There's a danger here that he wants to draw our attention to. There's a danger not only in first century Rome, but there's a danger in 21st century America. To people, what? We know that God loves us. We know that God is going to forgive us. We know that God extends grace to us. But what happens, there's a danger that we take that too far. Live however you want. 
Because you know God extends grace. As a matter of fact, the last chapter just ended. We just read these words. In Romans chapter 5, verse 22. Where sin increases, what? Grace abounds all the more. Live however you want. And there's tremendous, tremendous danger with that. Therefore, Paul responds with an answer to his own question. That's what a rhetorical question is. On the heels of all the teaching that he has given, all the truth of the previous chapters, he responds not only with, with denial, but he responds with, with vehement abhorrence. You have to notice the, 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 the exclamation mark. Do we continue in sin? Do we continue to live however you want, knowing that grace is offered? By no means. The CSB says, absolutely not. New American Standard Version, nobody agrees on this phrase here. New American Standard Version says, far from it. I kind of lean a little bit towards the old King James. God forbid. Everyone's trying to say exactly the same thing. Why? Because there's great concern here that we are never to take grace to heretical extremes. Rather, what? Rather, the readers, Roman believers, first century, and the hearers today, that's you, sitting in the seats or at home listening, you need to know those who have been justified have been justified unto holiness. There's purpose here. A couple, couple verses down in, in verse 22. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. It says in Romans chapter 6, 22, But now that you have been set free from sin, you become slaves of God. The fruit that you get leads to sanctification, which means you're being set apart to holiness and to its end, eternal life. Another translation says that you've been, what, you have fruit unto holiness and the end uh, is everlasting life. Which means what, this is not justified by our holiness. We know that we don't cut it. We can't cut it. We're not justified through our holiness. We've been justified, what? We've been declared righteous in the sight of a holy guy, God. Why? So we're unto righteousness. Why? So that we would be, because we need to be, I need to be, more like Jesus. Before you get to the new part here, you've got to understand the emphasis that is being made on the old. Paul uses language that clearly supports it throughout our entire text today. Pick up on the number of times the word, the, the word died, death, or dead is used. Thirteen times. He's trying to make something clear here. What? How can we who died to sin still live in it? All of us have been baptized into his death. Like the subject is really clear here. And if it's not just died or death, he uses this term like we were buried. We've been crucified with him. I think it's pretty clear here. I refer to this as Paul using lethal language. The dead is what? It means dead. It's gone. Not, not like, as we all know, Miracle Max and the Princess Bride. Oh, 
So look who knows so much. It just happens that your friend here is mostly dead. And there's a big difference between mostly dead and what? All dead. When it says here, we were buried with him, what does it mean? All dead. The old man. The old habits, the old way of thinking, it's all gone. But a new life is given. And with that, there has to be a proper understanding, a proper understanding of the grace that has been given that leads us to what? Triumph, to victory through Jesus over sin and death. Now, now, now we can move forward. <clears throat> Throughout Romans, we have spoken a lot about the importance of what? There's some, there's some deep doctrinal truths here. We have to be careful about theological accuracy, doctrinal integrity. And as we move, we learn into a, we, we, we learn about a new word today. And you can, you can hold on to this one. I've used it before, but we don't use it all the time. And it's this word. It, it's what? We're talking about vivification. Think about the root where we get the word vivid from. That's a vivid, that, that's, that's alive. The word is vivification. It, it means living to righteousness. What is that? It means to walk in the newness of life. Many of you have heard of the old hymn writer, John Newton. He wrote the, the great hymn, Amazing Grace. If you ever read about, I was reading just this week about from his autobiography, he wrote a book on his own life called Out of the Depths. And he describes, I mean, he was a, he was a nasty, mean, drinking, hard drinking, hard talking, all of it, a horrible person. And yet at some level, God allowed the old man to die as he recognized and he received the gift of salvation and becomes a new person in Christ. He pastors a church in England for decades. I found this. This is a cool thing to do. He actually, he, he actually in, in the particular church, the, the churchyard of Saints Peter and Paul in London, England, there's a, a gravestone. He and his wife are both buried there. John Newton wrote his own epitaph. He, he, he requested, I want this written on my stone. Listen to this. <clears throat> on the stone. John Newton, he refers to himself as a clerk. Once an if infidel in Libertine. A servant of slaves in Africa. Was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. In his own epitaph, he wrote his own words. I was talking to Wendy, I'm like, I'd love to write mine. She's like, you get four words, that's it. You don't get much more than that. It's too expensive to write that. But in his, in, his, in his own little, what, is it testimony? I once was this. He was buying and selling human beings. 
as slaves. And yet God miraculously saved him, preserved, restored. Listen to this. He pardoned him and appointed him to preach. How, like, how is that? Like, how does that actually happen? You look at him, the most ungodly, profligate life imaginable. He, he describes what? He's a self-described wretch in his own hymn that we all sing. Yet it was him who what? Wilbur Wilberforce came to him for advice and wisdom and counsel and encouragement. Wilberforce, who was used to help abolish slavery in England. It was that man who used to live like that. He wrote hymns we still sing today. He preached sermons. Tens of thousands of people have been saved. Like, how does this happen? And it's like, excuse me, I'd like to have a little bit of that. Right? We still wrestle with the old. Like, how does this happen? Reading scriptures, the old's gone. Okay, well, I went under, and like, I'm wet now, but I still struggle. Like, this is really hard, this whole holy part. Matthew Henry describes, describes it well. Listen very carefully. Newness of life supposes newness of heart. For out of the heart are the issues of life. There's, there's not way to make the stream sweet by making the spring so. He goes into more detail. Walking in Scripture is put for the course and tenor of the conversation, which must be new. He says, walk by new rules towards new end for new principles. Make a new choice of the way. Choose new paths to walk in, new leaders to walk after, new companions to walk with. Old things should pass away, and all things become new. The man is what he was not, does what he did not. It is to be alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, to converse with God, to have regard to him, to delight in him, a concern for him. The soul upon all occasions carried out towards him is towards an agreeable object in which takes a complacency that is to be alive to God. Now, I know that's a lot. It's a long quote. But consider some of the things as we look closer at it. Think about this. This is how it happens. A newness of hearts. Like, like this has got to be replaced. What was in that list? New rules, new choices. A new path to walk. I've been walking this path a long time. I need a new path. New leaders to follow. New companions to walk with. Way too much. That list is just too long for you and I to do on our own. Therefore, what? What has to happen? Hezekiah. Excuse me, Ezekiel. There is no Hezekiah. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. Give you a heart that's different and once you have, which takes us to our second point, how to lose the old self. We pick it up in verse 5, Romans chapter 6, verse 5. 
For if we have been united with him in, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So if we learned a word already this morning, vivification, if, if vivification is living in righteousness, then in other words, what mortification is dying to unrighteousness. And that's some like big words, but, but it describes what it means to live in righteousness and die to unrighteousness. Mortification, or more precisely what? Dying to, or the, the killing of sin. There's still responsibility here at some level. That, that our holiness, that God has offered everything to declare us righteous, but there's still responsibility on your part. It's not just sitting and basking, God make me holy, make me holy, and then we just sit. It, it doesn't work like that. You know, Puritan John Owen, 17th century, English, famously stated, do, do you mortify? Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Just pause on that. There's a responsibility that God, in His grace, still expects. Could, could I ask you this question? Need to ask. What efforts, what energies, what strengths have you put towards what? What efforts have you made to kill the sin that exists in your life? What things have you put in place so you live differently as a follower of Jesus who's been given the new life as opposed to the old man who is now what? Who is dead. Paul writes to the church of Galatia in chapter 5, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified the flesh. Another translation says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. And crucify them there. Now, I understand that's like that's some painful graphic language, but that's that's what it looks like to be killing sin. It is painful, it is graphic. And we would also say, wow, that's really hard to do. That is really hard. Putting to death, crucifying, nailing anything, especially what? A hard 
habit to break. That's where the rubber begins to meet the road. Because at some level, we begin to kind of tuck one thing away here, and life continues on, and we leave this. And we know that's not holy, that's not right, that's not righteous, that's not honoring and glorifying to God. This is a hard habit to break. So I begin by telling you, you need to remember this. You will need help. You will need help. You will need help. But I want you to remember the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although he is speaking of his soon coming death and the necessity of it, there's a tremendous lesson. In John chapter 12, when Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, that, that's how it works. And Jesus is talking about the fact that I, I have got to die. I've got to go into the ground in order for this to be produced. Same principle applies. Unless what? Unless the old man dies. Dead. Not what? Mostly dead. All dead. There cannot be new fruit. Back to what Matthew Henry said. Change of company. Who you hanging with? Change of, of direction. Where you're going. Like your goals for life. Change of the way you used to, to, to think. Change the way you used to live. These are all radical, radical, radical steps. Like, okay, real time. How do we do this? How do we do this? How do I do this? Five things very quickly in closing. Number one. Here, here's the practical application. Because we've got to understand that what we know we live, we walk in the newness of life, but there's something here. And we can't do it ourselves, we need help. Number one, here it is, confess sincerely. You've, you've got to come to a place where you admit it. So you directly go to, I think, God first. Lord, forgive me. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And not only do we go directly to God, but we go also to the one that we have sinned against. Rarely is any of our sin, what, this private little thing that doesn't impact someone else. You have to go, you have to confess. If you can't, like, yeah, well, that, that first one, I'm not, if you can't get through number one, don't bother with two through five. Because it's got to begin right here. James chapter 5 says what? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you will be healed. Can I, can I advise when you go directly, go immediately, go sincerely? Let me, let me remind you of two things. Don't be too general in your confession. Like, forgive me, I, I, I thought something that was probably not right. Like, what did you think? But then also, be careful that you don't be too specific. You don't have to drag somebody else down into your, 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 your garbage. So there's a balance. that I think we need the Holy Spirit here. But number one, what? Confess. Sincerely. Number two, invite others in. You've got to do this. Commit to transparency in relationship with others. 
who are what? Who are seeking the same thing. So you what? You attach to someone else who's more spiritually mature, who is also pursuing holiness, and invite them into your life. Proverbs says this, without counsel, plans fail. Which means what? You begin to live your life thinking out loud. Pull someone in close and say, this, this is what's going through my head right here. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. Proverbs, excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We, we are called to be in relationship and fellowship with one another. We know this. It's part of our vision of how we do church. And what's interesting, there's still so many people like, I just don't want somebody in too close. You've got to give them permission. Got to give them permission to speak into your life. Number one, confess sincerely. Number two, invite others in. Number three, create boundaries. You've got to create boundaries. Establish clear, and let me emphasize, achievable guidelines and goals that will assist in your personal disciplines. What are the boundaries that you have? I don't go certain places at certain times. I don't, I don't want to wander this way. This is dangerous for me. I need boundaries. I need guidelines. I talk about what? This is the four sides of the sandbox. We live inside the box at some level. Keep a close watch on yourself. Two pastors this week wrote me with, with just heavy hearts. As they were, what, we've been reminded of people that we've looked up to and esteemed and listened to and learned from. Two pastors wrote me the exact same verse. What, 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 do we be, what, what do we need to be reminded of? What do we need to hold on to? As Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will both save yourself and your hearers. Create boundaries that we live within. Healthy boundaries. Number four, immerse completely. New way of thinking. Well, you've, you've got to have a, a new means of influence in that thinking. Immerse yourself completely, particularly in the Word. And set goals for time in the Word. Set goals for time on your knees in prayer. Set goals to be together in worship. Set goals on, on serving. How am I going to exercise the little bit that God has given to me? How am I going to steward well this? Not only what, are we to immerse ourselves completely, but let me just add this on a personal note. Be realistic. Well, well tomorrow I'm going to start. I want to spend four hours alone in the Word of God first thing in the morning. It's probably not going to happen. Maybe set a realistic goal. I'm going to get up a half an hour early. I'm going to spend time reading. I'm going to spend time praying. Be, be realistic. Fifth and finally, establish accountability. This back goes, goes back to, to letting others in our life. Establish accountability. Schedule time to meet regularly. And, and I encourage this with more than one person at a time. Why? Because it's a whole lot easier to lie to one guy than it is to lie to two guys. I know that sounds horrible, but that's the truth. 
We always establish accountability, men with men and women with women. Just, just be careful, okay? Let me remind you, okay? Let me remind you that your spouse is not your accountability partner. Yes, you're accountable to one another. There's no doubt about it. But men hold men accountable. Women hold women accountable. Again in James, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, will cover a multitude of of sins. Ephesians chapter 4, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for members one of another. That's this whole idea that relationship means what? I, I have to. My job is to speak into your life. I'm hearing some things. I'm seeing some things that worry me. And you want, you give them permission to say exactly the same thing to you. Establish accountability. And I know that at some level, like, wow, this is like a long list. No, this is just five things. This is pretty simple. It covers a lot of areas of our life. But we have been blessed with this gift of God's grace. We've been called to walk in the newness of life. And it seems like many people are to take a step, half a step, stumble, and they're flat on their face. Stuck in the pattern of the old. Confess sincerely, invite others in, create boundaries, immerse yourself completely, establish accountability. Romans chapter 6, verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In my Bible, I underscore the, the word must you 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 must do this because there's there's an effective little whispering lie from the enemy who said your old life is going to follow you forever what you did will never be forgotten what you did is beyond forgiveness and you deserve to wallow in the misery of your own mistakes no 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 that's a lie from the pit of hell what we do is must consider ourselves dead to sin. Why? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ and alive. There's not a lot here, but the little bit that I have, I'm going to offer this. And I'm going to breathe deep every single day in God's grace and live as a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not isolated, not alone, not tucked in the corner. You get weird alone, okay? You are a blessing when you are together. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done for us in offering Jesus Christ, your own son, to pay the price for our own sin. We thank you for that. Father, today we ask for a specific strength. We must consider ourselves. The truth is we are dead to sin, but we are alive in you. Help us to walk in the newness of life. For your glory and your glory alone, we ask this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen.